2006. Some advertisements are so bad that they make me not want to buy what it is that they're advertising. And Go Compare is one of them. <laughs> I just cannot stand that advertisement. Other advertisements are so good, so good, they're so good that you can't even remember what they were advertising. Which, in effect, it makes it a bad advert, but great to watch. And this advert from 2006, I think, is one of my all-time favourites. It's only 30 seconds, but it was a defining encounter. Enjoy. Now, that this is not a, uh, a childcare um, talk this morning, and, and I'm not, you know, can you imagine if Little was full of mums doing that on the floor? <laughs> Um, so I'm not uh, condoning what she did, but wasn't it great? I, I, just, I just love that. And that was an encounter. I know it wasn't real, it was an advert, but it was an encounter that, that, that was defining, wasn't it? That child suddenly changed, put the stuff back, held his mum's hand and walked. Do you know, I believe... One of the most important things that needs to happen in our lives is that we have divine encounters that help us to walk differently, hold on to God's hand and go the way he wants us to go. And sometimes those encounters can be gentle, can be quiet, sometimes they can be quite challenging. And I want to read to you, it's a weird story really, but it's from the Old Testament and it's about a man called Jacob. Jacob had been that's all right. Jacob had been away from his home, having actually conned his family. And he was going back to meet the brother that he had conned out of his birthright. And God met him on the way. And this is what it says. It's in Genesis chapter thirty two and it's verse twenty two. It says that that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants and his 11 sons and crossed, crossed the ford of the Jabbok. That's nothing to do with a car, that's over a river, okay. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions so Jacob was left alone. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Abraham's hip. Ja sorry, Jacob's, this says Jacob here, it does say Jacob. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Ah. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, answered, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. 
The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket. This is a vital bit, it's not really, of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Now that is a bit of a strange and a weird thing to read to you this morning, but I believe it's got a real relevance and it's going to help us today. It says that the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. A bit like me this morning. The last couple of messages I brought to you have been about worship. Worship is not just what we've been doing this morning that is an expression of worship but real worship is something that defines us by what is the most important thing in our lives it's a walk it's not just an event it's 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 what consumes us it's what what really is the most important thing in our lives is what we worship and we are called to worship God he is the one we are called to devote our lives to. And we looked a few weeks ago at Abraham, who I mentioned by mistake a moment ago. Abraham was tested in his worship by being challenged to be willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And to that challenge, he rose and he went to do it and God stopped him from doing it because he knew in his heart he worshipped him. Then there was Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, three captives in the land of Babylon. They weren't called to go and jump in a furnace. They were taken in a furnace because they refused to bow down to the golden image that had been set up. So they, if you like, responded in obedient faith to stand against circumstances. Today, I want to look at, for a few minutes here this morning, at Jacob. Jacob was a descendant of Abraham. And he... This is really strange story. This strange account of what happened to him as he walked along the road. He wrestled with a man. Now, I don't get hung up on this, but some people say it was an angel. Some people say it was a, a, a pre-incarnate manifestation of the Christ. But basically, he wrestled with the presence of God physically and it changed his life he met with God now he needed to change the way he walked first of all he had a past that needed dealing with if you read the life story of Jacob you will find that he was a total crook you would not buy a second hand anything of him in fact, you wouldn't buy a brand new thing of Jacob. His actual name basically means supplanter, crook. Uh, it speaks of dishonesty. And if you look at his early life, he cheated, he was selfish, and his desire for God's will in his life seemed to be nil. He cheated his brother out of a birthright. He actually... Um, fooled his poor aged blind dad he tricked his father into thinking that he was his bigger brother so that his father blessed him he put 
fur on his arms, skins on his arms, because his brother was a hairy man. It's funny, in the, uh, in the AV it says, he was a hairy man and Jacob was a smooth man. Jacob was a smooth man, and so he knew that if he went to his blind father and he felt a smooth arm, he knew it would be Jacob. So he got goat skin or something, put it on his arm, and I don't know how he got away with it, but he fooled his poor blind dad. Everybody, except his dear mum, seemed to despise the bloke because he earned that reputation. He had an awful past. Do you know that encourages me so much because it doesn't matter how bad you've been, it doesn't matter what your past has been, it doesn't matter what rotten things that you've done in your life. Do you know the grace and the love of God actually sees something worthwhile in every single person? I don't care who you are. I mentioned that lady that I met on a train who, uh, forgive me if you've heard this, but it just really hit me, really. She met this girl. She said, come to church. She said, I don't want to come to church. She said, why not? Well, I'd like to, but I can't. She said, why? I'm not good enough. And she said, yes, you are. She said, of course you're good enough. And then the funniest bit was she said, yeah, but I've also got tattoos. I can't come to church. I don't care. God doesn't care. It doesn't matter what our past is. I don't know why she thought tattoos would stop her coming to church. Hasn't stopped a lot of you lot, has it? Hey, that's fantastic. But, but it doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been. God is dealing always with our past. I love that song, and I ask that we sing it. So the overwhelming, never-ending, endless love of God. Reckless love. Reckless love that reaches out. It chases me down. It chases me down. In that reading that I've just brought to you, Jacob was on his way back to his brother. His brother that he hadn't seen since he'd conned him. Now, can you imagine how he felt? I bet he wasn't really looking forward to that, was he? I wouldn't. But he was going back to meet his brother, and it was there that God met with him to deal with him because his past was catching up on him. Now, the thing that was different about Jacob was this. The thing that changed Jacob, the thing that's most important in his life is the thing that we all need in our lives, that he met with God. Or actually, God met with him. I love that song because it talks about God who chases us. You ever been chased by God? Have you ever felt that, do you know what, I didn't go looking for God, but actually God found me? And you might think you found God, but I want you to know that it's actually that God looked down, found you, and saved you. None of us are here today by accident, because God draws us, wants to speak to us all the time. You know, a few chapters earlier in chapter 28, Jacob had had a previous encounter with God. And I won't read it all to you, but it's, it's the, the account of where he wasn't going back to his brother, but actually was running away. He'd been sent away to his uncle, but more than just being sent away, he actually was getting out of his brother's way because his brother was not happy with him. And as he was running away to a different situation, God met with him, and it says that in a dream... He had this vision of a stairway going to heaven. 
Who's ever heard of Jacob's Ladder? We are climbing Jacob's Ladder, Ladder. Anyway, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that will just be a mystery to you. But it's in the Bible. There's a stairway that he had a dream about. And at the top of the stair, God spoke to him and promised him a blessing. He promised him a blessing. And then Jacob, it said, made a vow saying, now listen to this. After God had made a promise and a blessing to him and said that your descendants are going to be great and all the rest of it, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safe to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. He's even bargaining with God. Lord, if you do that, then I'll do this. I remember Wes speaking a few weeks ago and he reminded us that actually God owes us absolutely nothing. Don't you dare bargain with God. We need to come to God and say, do you know what? I have nothing except to call upon your reckless love and your grace that takes away my past. And I love what it says in verse 16 of chapter 28. When he woke up, he suddenly came to a realization, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Do you know, every single one of us who know Jesus, who have come to Christ, have woken up to the realization that God is real, that God makes a difference, that Jesus loves us, and that he gave his life for us. And the thing is, though, that he had that initial encounter and experience yet he didn't really change his ways he said in fact he spent the next few years conning his uncle and doing all that stuff he met with God in that place but then he needed to meet God at another place you know the meeting place that we have with God is in Jesus because God chased him and found him when running and returning can I tell you that God also meets with us. And he meets with us, first of all, to save us, to give us that realisation that God is in this place. But then, he meets us to change us and to develop us. We often say this, that as a church, and God's heart is the same, he accepts every single one of us as we are. No relief, tattoos and all. I haven't got to think about tattoos. It's what this girl thought would keep her out of church, and it doesn't. God accepts us and loves us for who we are, but he loves us too much, too much, to let us stay that way. And he knew, God knew, that Jacob needed some challenge in order to be ready for what the future held. You see, he had a powerful encounter and it says that he had a fight, a wrestling match with this heavenly being. He wrestled with God's presence. He contended with him. Has anyone ever wrestled with what God wants to do in their lives? Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Do you know, it talks a lot about fighting in the Bible. Sometimes we have to contend with... Um, spiritual powers that are arrayed against us 
Things that will try and pull us down. Things that will try and destroy us. Things that will discourage us. Things that will try and kill us. Things that will take us away from God. And those things that we fight against are there to do us harm. But you know, there's also that time when we actually contend with God. And it's good for God to win those because actually he fights with us for our own good. Do you know, if you've had an argument with God and God has won, you better be grateful for that because you don't know what mess he's kept you out of. Do you know, I believe that there are relationships that you've been devastated that you've lost. And God knows that if you had continued in that relationship, it would have ruined you. There are situations where you've been disappointed and you've been dead set against doing this, that and the other. And God has said, no, that's what you've got to do. And if you hadn't done what God had done, it would have ended badly. Where's the other week? He said that when God really spoke to he had a real encounter with God. He had, forgive me, Wes, for speaking in your absence about you, mate, but your wife's here, she can cover you. Wes said that when God really spoke to him, he had to submit his desire to go in the army. Do you remember when he said that? His dad has been in the army. He's, uh, he's been a padre. It's a padre, isn't it, they call it? In the army, he's just retired. But he's been in the services, and, and Wes has grown up, a soldier's kid, and he had it in his heart to go in the army. He had one of those Help for Heroes bracelets. And when God spoke to him, as a sign, he had to take that off and put it before God. Because God had something better for him. And he could have wrestled with God. And he could have fought with God. And he'd have gone in the army. And it wouldn't have worked. And the funniest bit of all was said, Lord, I give you this. And I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I'll never be a pastor. If you don't want to do something, don't tell God that that's not what you want to do. Do you, do you know what I mean? Just, just go with it. Just go with it, you know. If you had just said, Lord, I'd really love to be a pastor, actually you still would have been because that's what God's going to do. Do you see how God sometimes has to wrestle with us and give us a divine account, encounter? He had to fight with God's presence, contend with him, and it was necessary because Jacob's attitude, self-will, human strength needed breaking. We need to submit our will and our strength and our way of doing things into God's hands if we're going to get God's best. You know, of course Jacob couldn't win. But I like the fact that he wouldn't let go either. He asked God, can you please bless me do you know don't give up on God's purposes and will for your life if you have to give in to what God wants you to be and do don't let go of him but say Lord please bless me in it the thing is this and, and, and this is where, you know, I'd like to give a, a happier little talk this morning. But, you know, some Christians think that we are, we're excused hurts and wounds in our lives. 
can I just inform you that that doesn't work? There are some wounds, there are some wounds that save our lives. If you've had life-saving surgery, then you have got a wound that you can testify saved your life. And you know what? I think the Bible says, isn't it, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Wounds are inevitable if we're going to have God's best and blessing in our lives. You know, Jesus died on the cross and one of the marks of his victory when he rose from the dead was this. He said, look, the wounds in my hand the wound in my side. The wounds that saved the world were born by Jesus. And you know, sometimes when we really want to be and do what God wants us to do, then we will go through issues in our lives that will be like a wound. But Jacob's strength and Jacob's way of doing things had to be dealt with, had to be challenged. And it says that he touched the socket of his hip and it hurt and from that moment on he walked differently do you know whenever we have an encounter with God whenever God seeks to bless our lives whenever we give in to a situation that he challenges us about we will walk differently we will walk differently You see, the walk of Jacob was one of doing whatever suited Jacob. If he could con his brother out of this, he'd do it. If he could fool his dad, he'd do that. If he could con his his uncle Laban to get the best sheep and the goats, he'd do that. If he honestly, if if he saw a kid eating an ice cream down the road, he'd have that as well and he'd lick it, and that was the end of it because it suited Jacob. If he was at the January sales, he got the elbows out because it suited Jacob. He he must have been a cue jumper. He must have been a tax dodger. He was everything you didn't want him to be. That's the way he walked. And you know something? In our lives, we walk according to our own ways until we meet with Jesus and then he helps us to walk in a different way. He helps us to walk in a way that honours him. You know, that powerful encounter touched his life. And he never walked the same again. It was night time. He sent his family and everything he had over that river. And there he was on his own. And he had an encounter with God. And when he came out of that encounter, that personal encounter, that powerful encounter, he never walked the same again. You know, a lot of Christians don't like expressing their Christian faith because they say, that's personal. My faith is personal. And you know what? Yes, it is. And we all need to have a personal encounter with God. You can't actually know Jesus secondhand. It's not like watching, do you know what? When you watch a film on the telly or at the cinema, right? You can project yourself into that a little bit, can't you? Do you know? When there's a bit of action, I twitch a bit on the settee, and my wife says, "Stop it!" Because I'm 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 dodging dodging the blows or whatever it is. 
but I'm not really doing it. You know? I'm only that character while I'm watching the film. And do you know what? The walk that we are called to have with Jesus is not something that we just look at in the, in the lives of other people and draw on and watch and spectate. This isn't about spectator sport. This is about participation. This is about our lives. And it will change the way we walk. So we need a personal encounter. And do you know your faith and your experience of God must be personal. I can't project what God has done for me on you. You've got to find him for yourself. You've got to find him for yourself. You've got to know that God, you've got to wake up to the fact that God is in this place. I don't mean this building, but in this place and wanting to be in your life. And you've got to find that for yourself. And then as God takes you on, you've got to let him adjust your walk so that you walk in his ways, not in your own ways. Now, having stressed that our relationship and our experience of God must be personal, that's true. But being personal doesn't mean that it's private. There's a difference. You see, he had a personal encounter with God, and he walked like that. (laughs) That was the result. God helped him to walk in a different way. But the moment he went back to his family and those that knew him, they all knew that he walked in a different way. God can never touch your life and you'd be the same again. God can never really have a true encounter with us so that we behave in the same way as we did before. You see, there was that initial encounter in chapter 28 where he saw the stairway and God spoke to him. And, but he, he had an encounter, but that was with him, but he still didn't really follow it through. So God met him again. And to be true to what God wants you to be and who you are, you need to allow him to help you to walk differently in a way that is evident to people around you. Do you know what? When I first became a Christian, I think my parents thought I was bonkers. Not in the way you think I'm bonkers. But they got over it. But then, ah, then, I believed God wanted me to walk in a different way. I felt called to serve God in Christian ministry. Now, can I just say that we all serve God in Christian ministry, all right? There's no kind of hierarchy of uh, vicars and ministers. and We're all ministers of God. But, you know, God has put within the church ministry gifts of people, people that he has called to be pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, all that stuff. And there are certain people, no more important than anybody else, but just anointed to have a leadership role, a ministry in the church, the sort of thing that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Okay? And I felt God's call on my life to do that. And I remember my mum and dad, they got over me going to church. That's all right. He goes to church on a Sunday. That's fine. But now this is getting serious. 
Now you have lost it. Because I had to give in my notice at work. And I told you before, my mum, bless her heart, because she loved me, begged me not to do it. Yeah, I had to. Because I'd got the limp. I'd got the walk. He touched my hip, but I could do no other. And I, it wasn't enough God calling me and putting my lip out of, lip? My hip out of place, sorting my will out that might want to fight that. It wasn't, it was a personal thing, but it suddenly turned into a very non-private thing because I had to put my life where God had called me to go. So it was a personal call, but it wasn't a private one. And do you know what? There comes a time when God's blessing exacts a price, but it's also the greatest thing that you can ever have. Do you know, Jacob's identity was bound up in his name. He was, from birth, considered dishonest. Right? Even when he was born, he reached out and grabbed the heel of his brother, which was seen as being a kind of a, uh, you know, I'm going to get you, you, you might be born first, mate, but I'm grabbing onto you. And that's, it kind of defined the way of his life. And he was full of all this nonsense in his life. And yet, God changed his name from crook, supplanter, dishonest, Jacob to Israel, which means prince. Oh, Jacob was still a of a rascal because he kept having to get sorted out in his life. But do you know something? God looks at you and he calls you what he sees you are becoming. Isn't that great? His grace. No shadow he won't light up. No mountain he won't climb up. Ah, oh, I've forgotten it all. No won't, no, no lie he won't turn down, to tear down, no wall he won't kick down. I love the thought of God kicking a wall down to get to us. Yeah. And you can put walls up in front of God, but he will kick them down and he'll get hold of you and you pull your leg out. Hey, hey, and it works. Not literally, don't all hobble out of here this afternoon, will you? This is a spiritual principle that I'm trying to put across from what actually happened in this situation here, Okay. He dislocated his socket and he gave him a new walk. Do you know, in our weakness, we become strong. And in his weakness, he was a greater man than God, of God than he was before God had touched him and sorted him out. He got a new name, a new identity, and a new walk. A walk of a person who's met with God is evident. That TV advert, I do love it. If you're very good, when we finish at the end, we'll just play again. Just for the heck of it, because it's great. But can I say that that was unexpected behavior for a mother? Wasn't it? I know it was an advert, but as mums go, that was a, an unexpected bit of behavior from a, a, from a parent. She got down on the ground and she did, she identified with that little kid and did what everyone expected him to do to reach him. And I love that bit, the old ladies are looking. And the little kid and the, in the, in the little baby goes, <laughs> little smile there. And the whole shop is kind of, 
Then she gets up. The kid looks at her. He puts the stuff up. And she gives that look. You can't see this on the, on, on the recording, but there's that look. That look that only a mother can, can, can have that says nothing but says everything. That is scarier than a thousand battleships. And the kid just walks and holds her hand. She did what was unexpected from a parent. Hey, Jesus did what was unexpected from God. God in heaven doesn't come down and get on the ground with us. God doesn't come down to our level and meet with us. Surely God is in heaven. He doesn't do that sort of thing. But the God in heaven that I know sent his son to do exactly that. He didn't have a tantrum. He didn't roll on the floor. But he mixed with all the grime and all the hatred and all the rubbish in this world and he overcame it and he was wounded for our sins and our transgressions. And those wounds saved us, changed us, and have enabled us to walk in a way that we could never walk before Jesus came to this world so that we could have an encounter with God through him. And that is, a, that is an experience open to every one of us, a personal experience, but not a private one. An experience that changes our lives and our walk. You know, we need to wake up to the presence and the face of Jesus who wants to touch our lives. But then we also, as we progress in our lives, need to deal with the times and issues of life that we seek to control and that need to be changed. We need to stop arguing with, what we, with God with what we want so that we actually say, all right, Lord, it's what you want that really matters. You know, we contend with God, and it can cause wounds. It's not that I was contending with God, but uh, forgive me the personal experience thing again, but I, I had a situation in my life that I had to contend with at great cost it's fine I don't want to make it sound as though I'm virtuous and I, I paid a great cost, no it's not like that but I knew I had to do what I had to do and I had this wonderful prophecy prayed over me and it was a vision that God is going to do this through you but I've got a picture of you and your arm's been ripped off. That's quite a scar, isn't it, really? That's quite a wound, that. And when I went through the toughest time of my life, I hung on to what God said to me about losing my arm. It's still here, by the way. I've got them both. But spiritually, emotionally, it was like losing an arm. But, you know, it enabled me to come through. It enabled us to come through and to walk differently and walk in a way that God had intended for us that wouldn't have been possible if we hadn't have done it. Wounds are great when they win. Wounds are great when it's an operation that saves your life. 
You can boast over that and you can boast over the wounds that are on the, the body of Christ because they are the wounds that saved us. And the wounds that we pick up as God deals with us and helps us to be more like him, you see, we're called to take up our cross and follow him. It's not that Jesus was the only one on the cross. He's paid it all, but he says to us, you take up your cross. Some people say, oh, my illness is my cross. That's rubbish. You see, we pray for illnesses to go. Well, if illness is your cross, don't pray for it to go because you're supposed to take it up. Your cross is your purpose for being. It's your call. It's what God has defined you <coughs> as and has called you for. But when you take up a cross, it will, by definition, sometimes hurt. Yeah? Sorry about that. <laughs> I was so sorry about that. Enjoy your dinner today, won't you, everybody? But it's the greatest thing to live for. And it works and we win. In Jesus' name. Do you know... Our wounds and our pain times can be our finest hours and our finest features. There was a story of a lady who had terribly scarred hands. They were awfully scarred, hands and her arms, and her little kid was ashamed of her. This little child, her son or daughter, I don't know what it was, but the little child was ashamed and embarrassed by her mother's hands. And she'd take her to school and she made sure that her mum wore gloves and her long sleeves because she didn't want her friends seeing her mum's hands because they were such a mess. They were awfully scarred, terrible. Until she found out why they were so scarred. When this baby, when this child was a little baby, there was a fire. And her mother, the baby's mother, reached through the flames somehow, saved the child's life. The child was unscathed, but the mother burnt her hands terribly. And after that, that child was proud of her mother's scars. I'm proud of the scars of Jesus. I'm proud of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, help us to walk according to your way. God accepts us as we are, but loves us too much to let us stay that way. He had to prepare Jacob for a new day. He had to give him a new experience. He gave him a new name and he gave him a new way of walking. And can I just, as I close, say this, that as a church and as disciples of Jesus, we need to walk differently. We're called to walk worthy of our calling. We're to remember who we belong to and Conduct our lives in a way that honours him. Work, walk worthy of our Christ. It talks about value. Walk according to the value that we have in Jesus. We're called to walk in the light as he, he is in the light. Then we have fellowship with one another. Walking in the light means that we don't gossip about each other. That we don't have dirty little secrets about each other or we walk in the light if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another I love our church because I, I, I don't feel or detect any nastiness of course we're all perfect aren't we but you no know, of course we're not but there's issues in our lives but I love the fact I feel safe here I do 
Call me naive if you want to, because I'm not. But I feel safe here because God has called us to walk in the light. You don't come here and get judged. You come here and get loved. We don't try and keep secrets from you. Of course, there are sometimes times when we have to have confidences, but we want to be open and above board in everything. We want to walk in the light. Not, it's when you walk in darkness that you can get up to nonsense. When you've got nasty little secrets that nobody knows about. You know, I'm really safe in that because if I tried anything on, my wife can see through everything I ever think, do or go. She knows everything about me. I'm very safe. Oh, you know that look that mother gave that child? <laughs> we're to walk in unity. It doesn't mean we always agree with each other, but we're committed to one another. We're to walk in righteousness. The righteousness that Jesus gives us so we don't do what we want to do, but we do what he wants us to do. We're to walk in faithfulness. Commitment to one another. It's our walk. All people don't like faithfulness, do they? Don't like commitment. Well, start limping. Because that's what God's called us to do. Walk in righteousness, in unity, in faith, and in holiness. You see, God is after us. And, and you know, all this thing's a process in our lives. And God will adjust our walk as we follow him. I'm going to pray. And say, thank you, Lord.